0: From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian presented by a Cloud Guru, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Aaron, it is summer. The days are are longer. I guess actually probably technically getting shorter, but it's uh, it's summer. It's hot. How are you doing, man? It's been a few weeks since we talked. Yeah, no, it's been good. It's been good.
1: It's uh, crazy crazy busy between the podcast and new job and new house, and, and I messed up my elbow, which is a whole other story for another day. But um, no, it's been good. It's been fun and busy all in one.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we are we sort of made a decision since since you've got stuff going on, I've got stuff going on. It's the summer. People take vacations. We thought we might record a bunch of shows uh, a little bit ahead of time, not way in advance. Um, but there's a possibility as you're listening to some of the next few shows that, uh, you know, we may be off by a week. So there's a possibility that some major story will break and we didn't include it or something. So I apologize for that in advance. But a lot of times people listen to these shows a couple of weeks after we record anyway. So, um so I think what we're going to try to do this week but we're going to get to a couple of things first is we're going to do sort of our annual mid-year state of the cloud cast what's going on in the cloud world thing. So we're going to, we're going to talk about a lot of kind of just what's going on so far in 2018. So before we get to that, um, you know you and I were talking before the show what's what's maybe your biggest Technology gripe these days. Well, sort of. Uh, you know, this will this will sort of be like Festivus for for mid year for us, you know, airing of grievances. Yeah, and I I have so
1: many. Um, <laughs> these <laughs> oh, <geez>. days, <laughs> we are with. So it is it is funny. So I'm gonna start with it and a little bit of of backstory of the podcast too. So so my biggest gripe right now is Skype. Um, uh-huh. So so, just so everyone knows, it took us quite a bit um, to even get this recording going because it, Skype, no offense to Microsoft, it is such a shit show right now. And it just keeps getting worse. <laughs> well, we, so, so, it, here's, so a little bit of back to the point we can't even fix our settings anymore. <laughs> well, I mean,
0: a little bit of backstory for people like we've we've literally used Skype for the last I mean, every show we've used it for since yeah. the show began and. We were fine with it. I mean, other things have come along. We've tried other things. They've been sort of hit and miss. And and when you're recording every week, you're just sort of like, I just want something that I know works. And we put up with, we put up with Skype's nuances over the years, and things would fail, and this, that, and the other. But holy cow, whatever happened in the last month? Like, it, yeah, you're right. It's unusable. And and you know, we we've started liking having the the Azure team come on the show. We've had them on a few times, but. As your team, if you're listening,
1: I you're mean, in timeout.
0: Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're in a long timeout. We took, we took your phone away. You're not driving the car for a while. Holy mess, is it? A, yeah. So I, I, think this summer we're going to be switching. So we'll sort of apologize in advance to folks. We may be going through some audio things, but nothing can get worse than whole it, ugh, it is terrible. Yeah. Yep. Unus- unusable almost. So that was that was this morning's
1: just trying to get the show to record. Gripe. Well, so what are some of your other gripes other than oh this man, I, gripe? I, I feel,
0: well because I <laughs> Skype hadn't upgraded me up until this morning, so I was like, yeah, it's okay, you know, it's an old, you know, kind of clunky thing, but and no, it's my- funny because I,
1: I've I've been I've been complaining for weeks, and I'm like, Brian, it's unusable. Brian, don't upgrade. Whatever you do, don't. do And yeah. you're like, oh yeah. no, it can't be that bad. It can't be the and it upgraded you this morning, and you're like, oh nope, we can't use it anymore. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
0: I, I, you know, I was thinking about my gripe and my gripes feel so small in comparison. So, you know, a a month or so ago, Twitter uh, decided to to kill off, finally kill off their default client. And I think I was going to be the last person on the planet who was still using the default client um, just because I don't know. I I never liked the whatever. See, There's a
1: larger trend here that everyone needs to know. Brian, Brian finds a tool and sticks with it. And will not change for years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it works. I'm like I'm always it. like, I'm the I'm the shiny object person of the show. Everyone I mean, knows that. I'm the gadget person of the show. I'm the hey Brian, here's this new software yeah. we need to do and you're like, no. No, we're not doing that. We've been doing this 6 years this way. We're not doing it this way.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, I had a an have I have a I have an 11-year-old car in my driveway and I have a uh 24-year-old truck in my driveway. So yeah, I don't I don't ever change. But yeah, no, so so my my gripe was so I so I moved to I guess it's Tweetbot. Um so I moved to that for both sort of a desktop client and a and a phone client. And my natural assumption, you know, shame on me was They'll be the same, like the features will be the same, basically. And and it has this nice feature now. So Twitter has this feature called bookmarks. So you're like, you used to, used to, if there was some link that you saw that you liked, for example, you could, I guess, click on the heart and it would sort of stay in your timeline for things you liked. But then there was stuff sometimes you might see from somebody, I don't know, let's say it was a competitor and you're like, well, I want to read their thing later. I just don't want to like it because maybe it gives off the wrong vibe or it shows up in your timeline. So they have this bookmarks thing. And I'm like, oh, bookmarks are great. Like, I can go back. I can look at stuff. Oh, by the way, bookmarks only work in the mobile client, not in the desktop client. And it doesn't show up in the Twitter regular Twitter.com feed. So I'm like, there's no easy way to go. I have this list of stuff that I want to go back and read at some point in time. Because, you know, bookmarks are only, what, 15 years old as a technology. Nope. Can't sync that between the two clients. So, yeah. And it, I, <laughs>
1: so, so Twitter's in timeout. Skype's in timeout.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my,
1: my, and mine is, uh, uh, right now, uh, my latest old man in cloud gripe is just any kind of to-do tracking software on the planet. Over the years, I've tried everything, and I just can't find anything that... It sounds, and don't get me wrong, this is my problem. That I can't find anything that tracks enough to-dos that doesn't make it so overly complex. It becomes overwhelming. You know, I need to track sometimes like fifty to a hundred things, and I can't find any software that doesn't fall over at
0: about you know forty to fifty things. So yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm also now looking at this new this new Skype interface, and with the call that's going on, usually we got really kind of religious about the show was going to be 30 minutes. Cause that's how long a, a, a run is or a, or a commute to work. It no longer shows the time of the call on this thing. Thanks nope. a lot, Skype. So it, these it, calls it, might go, these shows might go 75 minutes. We're sorry. You know what? It's not our fault. It's Skype's fault. So if you, here's the good news, you may end up losing 20 pounds listening to our show this summer. Cause the shows are going to go 60, 70, 80 minutes. We have no idea. Lot of, a lot of, lot of grass this. to mow, a lot of runs. Yeah. You, you'll that's end right. up mow, driving mow your, everywhere. Mow your neighbor's grass, you know, whatever you got to say so we apologize for that again not our fault we're gonna blame skype for that one yeah, yeah. all right man so we've yep. we've, we've, we've done on. the airing yeah we've done the airing. we might be four minutes in the show we might be 16 minutes i don't know at this point but we're gonna we're, move on we to are we are so one.
1: it's funny because our, our recording software luckily still does that and so we're seven minutes in or well seven minutes since mm. i've hit record
0: just so you okay know. all right it's good so you got a good a good sweat worked up at this point that's right so Um, So, like we said, we thought we'd go through sort of the the half year because, you know, cloud moves fast. There's a lot that goes on. We like to kind of periodically come back and do a review. So the first thing that jumped out at me as I was looking at the first half year was it's been a busy year for sort of Cloudcast alum, right? We always we always have to track guests who've been on the show, who got VC funding, guests who got acquired, uh, guests who have gone IPO. Um, long list of companies so far this year. What uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of surprised because we, I think last year we sort of said, hey, VC funding feels like it's down somewhat. Um, but, but lots of acquisitions so far this year.
1: Yeah, lots of acquisitions um, and I would say more IPOs yeah. as well. Um, and the other thing I would say too is <laughs> the amount of transactions seems smaller, but the amounts seem bigger.
0: Right, right. Well, and and GitHub, Microsoft buying GitHub sort of throws everything out of whack. Because what was that, seven and a half billion dollars? <sighs> yes, um, you know, huge. But you know, some some pretty good numbers out there. Um, you know, our friends at Evan and I O, the security company, got acquired by Palo Alto for three hundred million dollars. Red Hat bought CoreOS for two hundred and fifty million dollars. Um, Pivotal ipo and and they raised about you know just under six hundred million dollars in an IPO. So you know, pretty good numbers for. Uh, you know, sub billion dollar things. I know the industry gets enamored with billion dollar acquisitions and and funding rounds and whatever, but, uh, you know, some pretty healthy numbers out there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And
1: yeah. And it's, what's also interesting to me is the, the platforms have changed or, or the, you know, the targets, if you will, right. The, um, You know, you've got AI companies getting acquired. You've got security companies getting acquired. You've got, um, you know, logging companies getting acquired. Um, It it isn't your traditional kind of platforms, is the other
0: big no, no. But I think that I think the trend is, if you look at all these acquisitions, I mean, for the most part, they all they are all feeding into platforms. That's right. So. You know, Microsoft's acquisitions are sort of feeding towards Azure. Uh, you know, Red Hat acquiring CoreOS is feeding towards OpenShift. Uh, Palo Alto is trying to become a security platform. Uh, Splunk obviously trying to become more and more of a, you know, operations management platform. So, you know, more and more you're not seeing kind of individual products getting acquired for a portfolio play. You're seeing things building into a platform and the, the platform becomes the portfolio, if you will, I guess. And I don't know if that's the right analogy, but, um, you know, software platforms are sort of becoming the new, uh, what used to be product portfolio. Yeah, and and so you you tend to keep a, a running list
1: of, you know, the acquisitions and some of those. What Do you know what, you know, Cloudcast alumni total acquisitions, now don't get me wrong, Microsoft kind of throws everything <laughs> out now and yeah. makes it hero numbers, but I was just wondering.
0: Yeah, so I, I did look, um, so I think we're up to, we're up to around 34 or 35 acquisitions. So, you know, we're we're right around show three fifty. So roughly ten percent of people who have been in the show have been acquired. So pretty good numbers or sort of VC like numbers. Um, I think our total funding at this point sort of we always sort of track VC funding and and MA and and the MA stuff is sometimes is a, is a guess because there's some smaller deals that you know don't get announced and so forth. But um, uh, VC funding is a little over 3 billion and, and the, uh, the, you know, sort of M and a activities is about seven and a half or 14 and a half billion. So even if you take out, um, the, the GitHub one, you know, it's still $7 billion. So, um, yeah i mean folks it's it's too bad you can't make a, a fund out of out of the cloudcast because i think we've we've done reasonably well we've we've had uh we've been very lucky to have um some people that have come on and been really successful so um pretty good pretty good job folks yeah absolutely. Good job, yes
1: yes thank you thank you all right so let's kind of move on here so so well our next topic is Thinking about a little bit of futures, right? Um, yep. and, and more specifically, probably just thinking about public cloud markets uh, for a little while. Um, what has been some of your thoughts? We've been certainly um, evolving our thoughts here, here in this space as we've done the cloudcast over the years. And, and it is really interesting to see the complete uh, maturation of this market. Um, but, but kind of tell everyone where kind of your head is at these days, Brian.
0: Yeah, I, I think, I mean, we've, we've said for a long time on the show that, you know, it was, it was a matter of time before, you know, kind of the, the big cloud companies kind of took over. Um, it, it was interesting, you know, everybody likes to use Lydia Leong's from Gartner's magic quadrant as kind of a, a benchmark for where the industry is. And for a long time, you know, you looked at like the IAS magic quadrant, which, IaaS is kind of a, somewhat of a useless term these days because so many of the clouds provide way more than just IaaS. So, you know, no, nobody's just measuring like, hey, how much compute and storage do you have? But uh, you know, for a long time there was a lot, a lot of companies on that. Um, very interesting. This year, for the first time, it, it got whittled down. It's down to like six companies. And and Lydia always been tweaking the thing. Her and her team have been tweaking it for a long time in terms of like, hey, are you really scalable? Do you really do all these things that are automated and ultimately trying to get back towards that kind of original definition of cloud. So so that was very interesting. It was sort of the first public acknowledgement that that there really are only a handful of of really really big web scale clouds um and and so that was you know I think in terms of milestones that's a that's a big deal, right? It's you know people may not think of some of the smaller ones as as legitimate, but um you know given how many people at least large Companies buy off of Gartner Magic Quadrants. I think this is going to be one of those things that accelerates. You know, the, the bigger, the bigger, getting bigger. If yes, you will. that's right. And
1: and, and I, I think f- this is just. A, and we've always had this theory, and many of our guests have on the years of, you know, it takes a lot to build yeah. not not just an IaaS platform, but the surrounding products and services that then accelerate the growth of that IaaS platform. And you know, if you don't have multi billions. You're just not going to play in this market. And I think that this market, you know, we have seen to, we are to the point where the big ones have emerged and, and I don't see many other players ever having the resources or, the time to ever catch up. And so I, I feel like this market is, is pretty close to baked. Now it's just going to be a matter of, you know, who's going to get market share at any given time and which products are going to be coming out. And you're going to start seeing the leapfrog games that tend to happen in these, you know, mature markets. But I think the big players have been established.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's definitely, yeah, you definitely, you definitely needed something to, uh, so essentially subsidize your cloud build out, right? So, For Google, it was ads, was subsidizing Google Cloud Platform for AWS. It's been, you know, the the retail side of of Amazon and so forth. And Microsoft, it's been Office basically subsidizes everything. Um, You know, but but I think think we're seeing beyond just that they got really big. I think the other thing, at least I see in the market is, um, you are starting to see some distinct kind of traits that are driving certain companies towards certain clouds, right? So it's not just um you know i mean we're seeing other factors to come into play so like, like i see quite a bit of you know companies like retail companies or healthcare companies now and others that maybe look at what amazon's doing in terms of getting into their markets directly or indirectly and they're using that as a uh, do we trust them to to be on their cloud do we not want to be on their cloud um you know we, we're starting to see people look at secondary clouds for, you know, AI and so forth. So we're starting to see some other characteristics other than what we talked about a few years ago, which was like, oh, price, 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 or, you know, scale or something like that.
1: Yeah. When's the last time we heard about a price cut in a public cloud?
0: Like none. I, yeah. That, that's
1: <laughs> and, even if just, they, just, and even if they have done it, they don't make a big deal about it.
0: Right, right. I don't and, even
1: and, know if they have, to be honest with you. I haven't been watching it that closely to even know. But, but I don't know if they have and if they have, who, who knew?
0: Well, and I think we're getting into a point where, um, you know, as, as these guys, uh, the, these clouds deal with larger enterprises, um, you know, the price cuts become less of a big deal in terms of sort of headlines. And it's more about, hey, we're going to do, you know, enterprise level negotiations, right? Like you hear, it, it's funny forever. It was like, oh, the cloud's all on demand and so forth. And and more and more you're hearing about large enterprises who are like, yeah, I signed a three year contract, five year contract or whatever. And you're like, oh, OK, you know, what what's what's old is new again. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and so let's talk, uh, let's kind of
1: talk about each of the the big ones and then maybe some of the up and comers individually. And, and because also I think the way in which they're continuing to grow is also interesting. So AWS obviously um, is just the machine and is still a machine um, and has the vast majority, you know, like they're, they're definitely kind of the category leader um, in this space and will continue to be so. But, You know, at what point do they stop the meteoric growth of like year over year growth? And does it start to flatten out as the market gets saturated or do they just keep going and it's new services? And, uh, you know, I don't know. It's been really, really interesting to watch them. and, And it has gotten to the point of, yeah, it's like, it sounds awful, but. I don't even look forward to going to re- reinvent this year and reinvent used to be my favorite conference uh, you know it was VMworld for the longest time and then everyone oh you know reinvent is like the new VM world and now I'm like oh it feels like Oracle world now where it's like yeah. so many people and it's so big and I'm sure the Salesforce conference is like that too and and they've come with you know now there's summits all over the world and they now they've moved to this global events kind of thing because of reinvent is so big. Um, I don't know. It's, you know, is there an end in sight to that growth? Do they become stable at some point?
0: Um, You know, at one point in time, like back when I was doing analyst stuff, I, I was trying to find some, some data that looked at like what Microsoft's growth looked like because, you know, Microsoft went through a similar period. This isn't Microsoft Azure. This is like Microsoft, the software in a box on your PC thing. I mean, We all sort of think like the law of of big numbers will kick in at some point for anybody who's growing very fast, but there's times when there's just such a significant shift in in sort of computing landscape that you know some growth goes on for very very long periods of time, and you know to a certain extent like we're not making any predictions or forecasts or or giving you any inside information, but I mean you know you look at the number of of quarters of billion dollar sort of investment that, that. like an Amazon's make or even you know Microsoft or others. like you know they they have the 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 foundation in place to do in terms of capacity. Um, it'll be interesting, you know, I, I think we're seeing one of the things that I see and this is sort of a peripheral type of thing, but I am seeing more kind of backlash articles and backlash stuff written about, hey, has AWS gotten so complicated in terms of their portfolio, there's just so many pieces, there's so many parts. Um, you know, we're already starting to see like Werner uh Werner Vogels had an article that came out this week that was like, hey, um it's okay to have seven or eight different databases because you need that many, which is you know, analogous to and and, and no offense to our offense to our buddy, Chad Sakich, like that was the thing that like EMC used to do when they would have so many products in their portfolio, they would sort of justify it as like, hey, you've got to have the right tool for every different use case. And so you should have a different tool for every use case. And it was their way of being like, yeah, I know we have a lot of different products, but, yeah, they're all good. And there's a way that you can rationalize having such a big portfolio, I guess. But there's there's also that's also the time when You know, certain competitors will come along and and be better at a certain area than you. Now, the question becomes, if you are the vendor that offers everything, which AWS sort of does, you know, can you get into one segment of their market as a cloud provider? Right. Can you be a database as a vendor service if it's like, well, if all the compute stuff is in some other cloud does data gravity get in the way? So, you know, I think that's the nuances that we're going to start to see about AWS, like how fast they'll double in growth or not double in growth. I, I don't quite know yet, but it feels like they have the fundamentals in place. I just don't know if they have enough salespeople in place to do it. Yeah, yeah,
1: fair enough, absolutely. What's
0: your, what's your kind of thoughts on on Microsoft and
1: and Google? And I'll I'll just say real quick quickly on those. You know, at a high level, obviously, Microsoft is is very much in the acquisition uh, phase of, of, of doing all of this, and they seem to be extremely serious about it. So that's good there. Yeah. Um, Google, I, I don't know. I'm still a little scratching my head about them, and it's funny because that's probably a repeat of last year's mid-year show. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I, But I, I will say yeah. that let – me, let me say this real quickly, though. I will say this. Going into, like, trade show season and doing this mid-show, like, how do I feel about the, the public through I, I feel last year it was AWS is one, Microsoft and Google, not sure. You know, there's a two, there's a three, and not exactly sure. This year I feel like it is AWS, it is Microsoft at two, it is Google at three. Like I feel like the momentum in the last year has gone Microsoft's way if I'm just going to compare Microsoft and Google.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, Microsoft I think is, is – I mean, of anybody, they have to go through the biggest transition because they're transitioning from the old, you know, the old Microsoft business. Um, You know, they've done a a lot of they've done a really good job like on the PR front. Right. Lots of stuff about, hey, we love open source and we're open and look, look, we're not the old Microsoft anymore. So so that's going, I think, pretty well. Um, I think they are going to be, you know, we've said for a long time, like they're going to be at least the alternative for for enterprises um, and I think they'll be the primary for certain vertical markets that, you know, are afraid of competing against against AWS dire- or yeah, against AWS directly, which, you know, could be very large industry segments, given how ambitious Amazon corporate wants to be. Um, you know, I, I still can't totally figure out some of the things that Microsoft's trying to do. So, you know, the GitHub thing makes more sense. To- to me, it's like, hey, that's the place where developers tend to, to gravitate towards. They could probably do some interesting integrations um, to integrate your you know your code to run on Azure. I, I still don't know what the LinkedIn thing does. Um, so, I mean, I think some of their acquisitions, it's not clear, you know, which w- w- part of it is going to benefit Microsoft versus Azure versus you know, do you think about them separately? Um so, you know, that one, I, I think, like you said, it's it's a it's a strong number two, but it's still you're not 100 percent sure exactly where it, the whole thing's kind of from from corporate to cloud is going. Google, I don't know that I'm in any different position on Google than I was a year ago, like you said. And we're, we're both going to be at Google Next. So if you're out there, folks, we'd love to, to say hi and talk to you. But I don't know that my position on, on Google has changed. It's, you know, it, it, we always say it comes back to do they are they doing a better job of talking to people? And I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I haven't seen a, a better way to judge that than we saw a year ago. It'll be interesting to see what, what Diane has to say this year. Yep. Agreed. And th- and there's
1: always some emerging ones as well. Like we, we kind of identified, um, Alibaba, IBM and Oracle as, you know, potential upstarts, if you will, in all of this of, so, yeah, if there's anybody who is going to challenge, it's obviously that yeah again, do
0: you have enough money to make a play? Um, and, and well, go ahead. I'll throw, I'll throw one, I'll throw one little anecdote on Alibaba and don't read anything deep into this. Um, um, I have been sort of surprised at hearing from a number of companies um, that are that are going to roll out stuff in Asia uh, and in China in particular that are looking at Alibaba's cloud more than they're looking at other ones there. So some pretty big named companies, you know, names that you know, um, you know, have told me, you know, for for other type of work and so forth. And hey, we're, we're going to be rolling out on Alibaba Cloud. And you're like, oh, well, you know, aren't you going to roll out on an ABD? And they're like, no, 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 we're that, that's, that's going to be our play into Asia. So th- I've been sort of surprised at that. I don't know exactly what's driving that. I don't know if there's a, a need to to be successful in China to be on Alibaba Cloud. I mean the, the, sort of the, the politics and government and, and so forth. But uh, I've been surprised at some of the names – and again, I think we've always said we have we have a blind spot for what goes on in Asia on this show that, that we don't maybe in other areas. But uh, I've heard some very big names sort of going to have some movement towards AliCloud. Cloud.
1: Yeah. And well, and it makes sense at some level, too. Uh, there is there is going to be, uh, you know, as this market matures, there's going to be some some sense of, yes, this is the 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 big player regionally. Yeah. Um, for politics, for, you know, all kinds of different reasons, not necessarily for technology. And, and yeah, we would naturally just have a blind spot to that, not being necessarily immersed in that that region or that culture. Um, right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. And then IBM and Oracle, honestly, um, it's been IBM, I don't know. I, I just never count them out because if they ever wanted to turn up the money machine, they could but they don't seem to. Um, <laughs> and then an Oracle um, I'm, you know, with our, with our, our good friend, Leo and past get past guest um, on the show, Leo over there kind of running things. I hear more and more good things and they've been on the show and, and I don't know, they, they seem to, there's more intent there than there has yeah. been
0: in previous years. Yeah. The only, the only gotcha I ever, and I'd rarely ever hear anything about Oracle cloud. And maybe it's cause I don't, you know, I, I don't, I'm not too involved with Oracle applications. The, the only thing that I think may come back and, and bite them maybe in the near term, I don't know, but they, Oracle is still going through this thing where they're playing games of what they count. Um, so they, they sort of got burned this last quarter because they, I don't know, they stopped counting their I business or something like that as cloud and they counted something else as cloud. And so they've done this thing over the last three or four years where you know they're, they're going through a transition they don't want to have a bad financial quarter they obviously make a lot of money from the database and then they're, they're sort of going like well, this isn't now in the cloud bucket this this year and that's not in the cloud bucket so, I, you know I don't know how much Wall Street puts up with that I think you know, Microsoft has gotten past that took them a couple of years I think it's you know we're kind of going to get that a little bit because the last thing you want to do is surprise Wall Street one day yeah agreed Agreed. Anything else on this topic? No, I think we hit the only other thing that we never do, and I would love for somebody who's smart about the SaaS stuff to come educate us. Is you know, the SaaS business is still way bigger than the IaaS business in this, and the PaaS business, and and i don't have a great sense of like like who is the aws of the saas business i mean is it i don't think it's salesforce salesforce doesn't make nearly as much money as as amazon you know as aws does but um you know i'd love for somebody to come on and sort of educate us on on you know who are the big players in saas and what are the big trends that we should pay attention to because we don't really dig into that as deep as we should yeah yeah
1: and and the other the other thing i could say with that is just you know anecdotically um it seems like, uh, uh, from a, you know, personal use standpoint, um, it, we, you know, we, we use for this show, Google docs always have, you know, it seems yep. like for all my employers, I end up using Google, Google docs. Um, and then you, you use the same set of, you know, kind of online, you know, HR and utilities and time off and, and, and we've said this on the show before, but, but, you know, no one, uh, especially kind of in the more startupy space, no one operates a, a inter- internal servers and an internal data center anymore. It's all SaaS, um, right? Right. And and is is it just going to be the SaaS market is? For each application, there is one or two big players and it becomes an extremely fragmented SaaS ecosystem. And then maybe somebody is going to come along at some point and then buy up all of these companies and have an aggregated SaaS company and an aggregated SaaS offering. Um, you know, like the old, um, oh gosh, what was the name of it? Um, people
0: soft bank always used to do that,
1: right? So. Exactly. Exactly. People soft yeah. was the other one. I was thinking of like where you get where the old CRM systems where it was like, Oh, you want the HR module? It's this, you want the CRM module? It's this. So like, y- it, we may end up at some point having this, this mega SaaS company um, that's certainly something that would be a possibility. Um, Salesforce to me feels like more of a platform than a, in a, 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 uh, a conglomeration of a large, you know, bunch of SAS companies.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And I think we see that in the, in the small medium business. Like, so you see like Zoho is the, you know, SAS for small business, or you see like thrive is the, you know, one of the ones for, you know, mobile small business. But yeah, I think for big businesses, they have so much integration work that, uh, yeah, I don't think that that simplicity has gotten there yet, where you can just plug in a SaaS into another. It's just like, oh, cool. Yep, agreed. So let, let's move on to the next right. topic. What's the um, next one? Yeah, so you know, so we, we covered the sort of the public side of things. Um, we we you know we thought we would cover some of the private stuff and really kind of give some perspective on the stuff that that we do every day um, without being sort of biased. So you know you tend to cover more infrastructure centric stuff. I've been you know I spent a lot of time with the containery Kubernetes y stuff. Um, what are you seeing not necessarily you know specific to cohesity or specific to backup, like trends in the on-prem stuff that might be useful as it relates to cloud, not just only run in the data center stuff. Yeah, so so a couple trends,
1: um, and I, I I kind of wrote, wrote them down here ahead of time, a couple trends that, that I definitely see, and then I'm, I'll give an example to kind of wrap back into them. The, the first one is this whole idea of data locality and compliance. I mean, just GDPR, you know, if anybody's not familiar with it, it, you know, the EU passing GDPR, go, go look at that and all of the requirements that are around that. And I don't think people are even, you know, really just starting to wrap their heads around that. But it's this idea of where is your data? Are you sure your data, you know, you're storing the right data and you're not storing data you shouldn't be. And, and so that's definitely a trend. Um, and it goes into the larger trend of, of data gravity and where is all this data being stored? Um, and then the next one is, is okay, great. Now I've, I've know about it. Now I have to go protect that data. Right. And, and I don't know, take ransomware. As another one, for instance, right? How do I both protect my data and oh, oh, by the way, I might I might need to save my business. You know, worst case, if something happens, you don't want it only stored in one place, and you know, goes out of you know, company goes out of business because somebody got their AWS keys or something like that, right? And 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 everyone wants to move data around. Everyone wants to you know, okay, if I have to have all these copies of data, let me put it in cloud. The the, the last trend here is this kind of moving data to cloud because it really combines both of those previous two. If everyone wants to you know, be as efficient as possible in where you're storing your data and, and, and store it where it makes good financial sense and business sense. But, but you have to be able to protect it. You have to be able to know where it is. You have to know if you're in compliance. And so there's these larger trends around data that is coming, you know, everyone has always wanted to do it, but no one's had to do it. Well, the had to do it is coming and that's the big trend. Cool. Very cool.
0: How about you? Um, so, you know, obviously I, I spend a, an enormous amount of time around the sort of, you know, container space, which is, it's kind of an interesting thing. Cause I, I think for a lot of big trends we've seen in the past, you know, in, in infrastructure and in the data center, like there was one distinct sort of problem it solved, like this thing made it go faster or this thing was, you know, a cost reducing thing or whatever. Um, you know, containers tend to be kind of a bifurcated area, right? So there's a part of it that the infrastructure teams care about our operations team cares about. And then there's another piece that, you know as we've seen with with containers like developers care about um and so it, it is sort of a it, the the containers kubernetes sort of space I, I guess on the on the immediate side the good news is the the industry sort of standardized around kubernetes at this point so the, the days of like mesos and docker swarm and all these other orchestrators is sort of kind of past us now everybody's like okay kubernetes is is essentially one it's the new standard cool um, and and now I think we're in we have sort of crossed the chasm on on adoption. There's a lot of early adopters um you know that went through a couple of years of trying to figure this out and, and we're in this new stage of of the more mainline adopters. And and that's the folks who are like, you know, digging in a little bit, like, hey, do I wanna change from do I want to use containers as lighter weight virtualization? So there's a lot of conversations about, you know, can you use, you know, what can you put in a container when you're when you're thinking about it as sort of a a vm-like isolation uh because people are like hey i want to i want to reduce costs again so we're 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 in another stage of you know can i reduce my vm licensing bill we see that a lot and then obviously we're seeing a lot of people who from a developer's perspective are very interested in you know using containers as part of their kind of devops continuous integration in some cases build net new applications or modernize applications um so it's an interesting space because it, it it's It's the common conversation that people have. Um, It's a conversation that you get rooms of people, and half the room is ops and security, and the other half of the room is developers, which is a a different dynamic, right? You're sort of speaking out of, out of you know, in two directions. Um, But it's you know, I think this this moving to a bigger market in terms of sort of adoption of it, we're going to see. Uh, you know, more competition, which is which is always good. I mean, you get you get some new innovation happens. Um, but I, I think people are going to have to sort of figure out, you know, who's driving those things right in the past. It was always uh, like in your case, you were talking about GDPR is driving these things. In this case, it's it tends to be business leaders, people wanting to to kind of go through transformations. Um, you know, and it's going to take a little bit of time for some of the people who hadn't been on board before the some of the ops teams to be like oh i have to change stuff okay you know why do i have to change it and be convinced um so you know it's it's going to be an interesting time i think we've seen a lot of applications are able to get containerized um but there's a whole new generation of people that you know i think had ignored this stuff for a while and are now kind of having to get educated and come up to speed so it'll be interesting to see you know who who can be good at sort of figuring out how to explain to those folks why this is beneficial, why it's cost effective or, you know, yeah, you know, do we start to see people say, Hey, I don't want the ops team involved. I'll, I'll leverage some of these new managed services for containers that are, that are starting to sprout uh, here and there. So I think that's the big trend that's sort of happening in the, in the container space Is some reeducation sort of crossing the chasm and we'll see whether or not the operations people get on board or, or not. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it makes perfect
1: sense. And if you kind of combine both of those Um, I've never really thought about it till now, but if you combine both of those, you really kind of have in a nutshell at a a much larger level, a lot of the challenges most enterprises are facing today. Um, I think that was a quick summary of like, hey, what does the next couple of years look like? for yeah. for enterprise. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um so, so we're going to so so we're running a little long and so we're going to we have one more topic and then we're going to kind of cut it after that. So um um we we we're trying th- this year to to definitely, you know, we, we tend to go out and what is the emerging tech and what is a new and interesting to us and we've been trying to incorporate more AI and IoT into shows this year. Um very intentionally. And for us, you know, it is a lot. A lot of hey, this is the new areas we want to go learn. And we're always trying to learn new things. We're always trying to pass on that learning. So, Brian, what has been some things in AI or IoT that that you've learned? What has maybe surprised you, and, and where do you still have questions?
0: Yeah, so you know, I think I'll I'll take AI as it was one of the topics. Um, you know, we've been lucky to have a lot of people that come on least this year to talk to us about AI um i don't know that i'm that i'm any smarter about how the actual ai works you know i mean in a nutshell it's collect tons and tons and tons of data you know build some models around what you think that data is supposed to do and then you know test the models collect more data test the model collect more data so you know to a certain extent it feels like you know and for a lot of statistical regression I, i think what's been interesting to me though is the the folks who are getting AI right, or sort of making AI enabled, if you will, um, they hide a lot of that from you. Like the, you know, it's it's part of some other set of applications, and and it's almost like, look, if, if you're not in the data science community, this probably isn't that relevant to you, right? This isn't sort of a generic thing that somebody who had some other skill is going to pick up. It's like if you're a data scientist cool. This continues to get better. The data models continue to grow and get better. Um, but the really interesting thing is, is almost to think about this like as a, as a, you know, line of business type of person and go, okay, I'm just going to assume this stuff is going to be available to me. It will be easier to integrate into an application. How do I think about how that would help my business? And I, and I, to me, that's kind of the mindset I'm going to have going forward is, is to focus less on like, how does all this stuff happen? And more thinking like, okay, what if we enabled some predictive analysis, AI, something um, in some business process or some core application? What would that do to change it? And is that an interesting or significant change?
1: Yeah, I agree. And for me, I, I had written down a note here of like, AI is, is still a big mystery to me, but that's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and 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 I, and I probably meant exactly what you were saying there of, yes, I know it is going to be a trend. Yes, I know it's going to continue but I don't think it's something I need to know the inner workings of, you know, we we tend to treat um, a lot of things here of, okay, it's a new emerging tech. And then we want to go see what's inside the black box. Exactly. I, but I don't know that we need to in this no. instance. And I don't know that we're meant to, <laughs> you know, or maybe this is the beginning of our evil overlords are here and, and it's okay. I don't know. But, but the flip side to it, I'll take IOT for a second. Um, uh, the exact opposite of that iot for me has been very very interesting because it's it's been much more approachable it's been much more relatable um and it allows me to kind of put on that architecture hat i've always uh, always done and 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 it allows me to really wrap my head around it and i've had a lot of new learnings there and, and a lot of things that you know like you make the connect the dots and you make the light bulb go off and and for instance you know, the idea of, of, okay, two big trends in IoT is, is how is how is that transport layer look? It's typically very, very different because, you know, it's, you have to have low power. You have to have low bandwidth. There's all these things that happen with IoT to to get data back and forth. And then where does the processing happen? It isn't necessarily we're used to where the app is, is where the processing is, is where the data is. You're having to kind of do these long hauls, if you will, and move things around and do things where they make sense and store things where they make sense, because you don't know that you will have connectivity at all times. You don't know that you will have processing power anywhere near where the device is actually collecting the data. And, and so it's an extremely fascinating new architecture for me because it is very different than anything I've experienced so far in my career, because it, my career has been primarily data center and cloud, Um, and you can kind of assume high processing power and you can assume high bandwidth and you can assume all, all of the things are available if you want to pay for them. In this instance, it's, you're limited by physics and you're having to do some new things based off of physical limitations. And I find that extremely fascinating.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, no. And I, and I think, you know, I think as sort of architect people, we, we look at something like AI, like you said, and 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 you understand like okay, here's a bottleneck, here's a bottleneck. How can we go kind of solve a bottleneck? Because it feels like there's tangibility to the to the pieces you can see and the pieces you can understand, and, and there's some architecture to it. So yeah, I agree. I think there's going to be you know, we, we heard this from folks like Derek Collison and others like there will be a lot of innovation that will happen to sort of figure out how to deal with that edge data and so forth. So, yeah, that, that'll be a space that's very interesting. The, the, other, the other last thing I'll say, maybe we wrap it up on this, is we would love to have some folks who are, you know, ML, AI, data science sort of if you if you have a good understanding of that from a finance perspective, like I would love to understand, like, what's it cost to get great data models? You know, like how many cycles, how long? How long does it typically take to get from you know uh, 93% good to 96% good or 98% good in terms of what you're providing? Like I would love to understand that financially. So if anybody knows anybody uh, that, that knows that space really well or just has some good examples they would they would be willing to share and educate us on, we'd love to have you on the show. So I'll sort of maybe wrap it up with that because I know we've been going for a while. Um, it's been an interesting year so far, man. Uh, any last thoughts on the half year so far? No,
1: I, I would say um, it's been – uh, surprisingly good. And what I mean by that is, you know, we, we, we have been doing this a while and, and we, we have noticed some trends and, and some, you know, less investments and some of these other things. And you, you kind of go, Oh gosh, you know, are we going to eventually, you know, run out of topics or run out of things to talk about? But, but, you know, just like anything else, we just, we, we find new topics, we find new areas and and the guests have been amazing and the listener feedback has been amazing. So, so thank you to everyone out there for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, as always, folks, thank you for listening. Thank you for telling a friend. Um, you know, if you get a chance, rate us on iTunes. Um, it, it's not for our ego. It's just one of those things that that helps the show get more visibility. So, if you like the show, great. Um, give us some feedback. Give us a star rating. Just click the button on your on your podcast thing. But uh, thanks everybody for listening so far for the first half of the year. We look forward to a great second half of the year. And uh, for that, Aaron will wrap it up, folks. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to
1: The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more
0: podcasts, show notes, and everything social media. And visit acloud.guru for all your cloud training needs.